We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the new episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Joined, as always, by my man, D.J. Elliott. D.J., how we doing today? I'm doing great, man. Excited to be on the show again. I know, man. You know the best thing that happened this past week? What's that? The Braves won the World Series. You know what? I know that that means a lot to you. You've been talking about that all season long. And you got to take your son to a game. and I, I mean, that, that just had to make your weekend. Yeah, the only thing the, – the, the, they lost two of them in one of the games that I went to. They lost. But it was still – I will say this. Going to the World Series was like a bucket list thing for me. Because, you know, during the fall I'm usually busy. I can't ever go. Uh, so got a chance. This first time, time I've really had a chance to go. And being a Braves fan and them making it, I mean, it was like uh, – it was destiny, man. So it was a good time there. But – this is not a baseball podcast. This is just this is a uh, football podcast. You didn't turn in. You didn't tune into the wrong one. What a crazy man! This this college football season has gotten crazy, and it's content. It's it's last week just I mean crazy again. Uh, I mean, first of all, you know we had two undefeateds go down: Wake and uh, Michigan State. Did you see the Wake Forest game? No, I didn't see that game. Dude, they it was like a they you know they were up. That was my money line pick that. I lost, and I think it was your money line pick See, that we well, lost. I went with you. I went with but, it because you. I, I believed in you. I mean, they were up 14 points in the third quarter, or whatever, maybe more than that, maybe 17 at one time, and they just didn't score in the fourth quarter until the till they got behind. And you know, it was like there was a shootout, and they decided. I can think they ran out of bullets at the end of the third quarter, and uh, I mean, it was a shootout for 45 minutes, and then from 45 to 60, they didn't score very much. So, and North Carolina didn't stop. So. Uh, but look, they're still good. They lose by what three points, uh, but they go down, and then Michigan State Purdue, another <laughs> another game that we had. I, I knew that was that was a sucker bet, man. I and I knew it. That was a trap game. I just I was like, you know, maybe I'm gonna go opposite of the sucker bet and uh, go ahead and take it. But Michigan State only being a three point favorite against Purdue. I mean, I think everybody in America took Michigan State. 
Uh, and they and they get beat and get pretty good. It wasn't particularly close. So. Now, you know what's ironic is I saw a stat where whoever wins the Michigan-Michigan State game usually loses the next week no matter who they're playing. I saw that stat early in the week, but I still went the other way and got, got bit by it. The two big, uh, I guess, complaints to the college football playoff committee this week will be the manner in which Alabama and Cincinnati won. And uh, we'll start with Cincinnati since that's the uh, been a hot-button topic over the last 24 to 48 hours. Did you did you get to see the Cincinnati game? I saw that game. And you know, what's your let, let's get the I want DJ Elliott's opinion. Let's let's where is Cincinnati? Let, let's talk about them. Where are we at? So, you know, I, I'm not high on Cincinnati because of their schedule. I think that um, you know, like I've said in the past, if you're going to be a group of 5 team, then your non-conference schedule just needs to be all power 5 teams. And they did play two of them, and they did beat them, and they do have that good win against Notre Dame. But, I mean, there's not even a ranked team on there, you know. And uh, I think they're a good team. And maybe they are a playoff team. I just don't see how they've proven it on the field with their schedule. That's, that's, that's just my opinion on Cincinnati. And, you know, now they're playing Tulsa, which let's, 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 let's be honest, if Tulsa was in – on an SE team's schedule, I mean, that would be a guaranteed win and that would be a, a stat builder. And they're playing t- Tulsa, and, and I mean, they're in a dogfight in this game. I mean, they had, uh, Tulsa had 297 yards rushing in that game. And the time of possession was 34 minutes to 23. And Tulsa had 26 first downs in that game. I mean, they were dominating that game. Yeah. Now, Cincinnati found Here's a way where to I have win, it. but, I mean, by no means did it look like a top-four team. And I want the I want the fans to understand this. Coming from my and, – and, look, I'm 100% feel the same way. Look, I got, I got buddies, or a real good buddy, that coaches at Cincinnati, okay? So, I got that, okay? And two is, I spent most of my career – I would say most. I'd have to go back and count years. I don't even know. But at least half of my career in the group of five level or below, okay? I'm pulling for – like, I, I want it to work out, okay? But if you're really looking at things just for what they are and, and stop trying to take – you know, you got some sports talk people out there and media trying to take these hot takes and they're going, and they're going to die on this stand – of Cincinnati's a, a top four team, but they're just not. I mean, they're a good team. If we were having a 12-team playoff, let's go. Let's put them in. I think that's why you need a 12-team playoff. But just what you said, and we've talked about this before. I don't remember what episode it was, DJ, but here's why, in my opinion, just what you said, they're struggling against teams that would, that shouldn't even – they should be strugg- they shouldn't be struggling against if they were a top four team. That's one. But the other thing is, is if they they lined up and, and went into the SEC, okay, and they had to play, or the Big Ten, or even the Big Twelve, and they had to play that schedule week after week after week after week after week after week. Not saying they're not better than those teams, but you get beat up physically, okay, to where you have key players that can't play or they're not a hundred percent. No doubt. Well, and example, when you lose, is uh, yeah, go Kentucky- ahead. 
for example, the Kentucky-Tennessee game. I mean, Kentucky was down to, I think, one starting defense alignment in that game. But, yeah, I mean, that's just the way the SEC is. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. And it's the same thing, and you can say the same thing about Ole Miss. They're having a great year, but, like, like we'll talk about that game here in a little bit. But they're not even a – they're a shell of what they can be potentially because of who's out because of injury. They're, they're a shell of themselves. They're not even the same team. It's a completely different team. They have to play differently because of, of the injuries. And I, I think when you – if Cincinnati has to go through that same deal week in, week out, we're not even having this conversation. Um, no, and, and that's I my think point. that I there's um, a handful of teams – maybe two handful of teams that if they had Cincinnati's schedule would be sitting pretty close to undefeated because the only team they would have to beat was Notre Dame. So what you have to look at is how many teams do you think could possibly beat Notre Dame? And whatever Correct. you come up with, that's the amount of teams that would be undefeated right now with Cincinnati. I whatever, agree 100%. Whatever, whatever like- teams – like, I mean, you look at the SEC and, um, I mean – you put Tennessee in that mix. You could put Arkansas in that mix. You could put Ole Miss in that mix. You can put Kentucky in that mix. You can put Mississippi State in that mix. You could put basically everybody in the SEC, but but Vandy, South Carolina, and Missouri right now could possibly beat Notre Dame in a head-to-head competition. So that's how many teams in the SEC could, with that schedule, could possibly be undefeated. I just, you know, I, I just, there's been a lot of talk about it in the last 48 hours, especially. I knew as soon as I saw the ending of that game where he fumbles, you know, and everybody's like, well, they did a great job of, you know, the goal line staying at the end of the game. Like, you shouldn't even have been in that situation. Um, but, you know, I think they better watch out this week, too. You know what was ironic in that game, too, is, is um, like I said, Tulsa really controlled the ball. They 83 plays on Tulsa's offense compared to 57 on Cincinnati's. That yeah, I mean it's going to catch up with them. I you know if they they're going to have to play Houston, correct? Yes. As long as Houston wins out. Yep. I mean they got to play SMU too. They got to play SMU and yeah. they got to play Houston. Well, it'll all work itself out. It always does. But uh, and then Alabama, so. The the argument was it's all over social media. The argument was well Alabama, you know, there's Alabama. They struggled too. They had a struggle win, and you know Alabama looked mortal again. Uh, but here's the difference: Alabama's playing LSU and struggling. Cincinnati's playing Tulsa and Navy and struggling. Uh, different ball game, and everybody's like, well LSU's down there. LSU's got 85 guys that are talented enough to play on Sundays. Okay, every dude on that roster can play. And uh, I don't know. I mean, and I just – it blows schedule. my mind. And it's the schedule, too. Yeah. It's not even just the game. It's the games ahead of that that got you beat up. So. Like, I just – I want to go – like, I feel like I'm an – like, am I the idiot? It's like there's no common – it's like there's no common sense when it comes to um, – People analyzing these games and doing and all these, it just it it's unbelievable. I mean, it's just it's what it is. It's insane. But anyway, we'll move on. the the next The next big surprise, uh, the Florida Gators and the South Carolina Gamecocks. How about that? Didn't see that one coming. So, didn't see that coming. So we played a game. Uh, we, we were – I had a uh, – finally, the last baseball tournament of the fall. was coaching a baseball tournament that night. We had a game at like 8 o'clock. 
and we were getting ready to play, and, and uh, I was watching on my phone while we were getting ready to play, and uh, we had, I had a little trivia question with all the coaches. I said, all right, it's halftime of the Florida-South Carolina game. Can you guess the score? They probably guessed it the other way. Oh, they guessed it the other way. Oh, it's yeah. 28 to nothing, Florida. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Oh, no, it was 30 to 10. South, South Carolina, Carolina, and they never looked back. They just dominated the game. I mean, uh, and then, of course, you know, Florida, um, he had to, I guess, let go of Todd Grantham. I know that, that that's tough. I, I hate, you know, because they've been close. They've been together a long time. That's, that's, never, a, that's never a good thing. And he'd already um, said that. in the middle of the season that he wasn't going to do that. So, you know, he yeah. didn't want to do that. Yeah, he he didn't come out and say, "Hey, I got a great idea on Sunday morning. Let me, let's do this." I, I think that was forced, probably. Um, that was probably the lesser of two evils. And you now, I will say sort this: of... I heard that Florida had maybe twenty guys out with the flu in that game. Yeah, so they were uh, heard that as well. Yeah, um, so. not before the game. Heard it after, but uh, if I'd heard it beforehand, it might have changed some things. But. Uh, but, you know, I just – people need to know that those that's not something that Dan Mullen woke up on Sunday morning and decided to do on his own. He probably was forced to do that, and that's never a good thing. So, But kudos to South Carolina. They had 284 yards rushing, averaged seven yards a play. Dude, they play hard, man. Look, yeah. if he can get some players in there, if he can get some players in there – he start his culture is really impressive. What he's done, and and you know a lot of this is not. He's just one of those guys, man. I mean, he does a good job culture wise. Um, his players are believing. They play hard, and it's. I wish the fans knew from a coaching perspective. It's very difficult to get every player dressed out to go to give their effort, fanatical, we call it fanatical effort, on every single play and play for the whole time. It sounds something that's easy, uh, but it's really not. Uh, you, have to, you have to develop that culture from the inside out. They have to, that has to be, you know, in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I think you get that when you have players holding other players accountable. There's only so many things, only, only so many things that coaches can say or do, and it starts going in one ear and out the other. Okay, but when you have players that hold players accountable and to a different standard, that's when that happens. That's culture to me. That's the definition that's of exactly culture. Right, one hundred percent. You know, when freshmen come into a program, they really don't know how to act, and they're watching the veteran players to determine how they should act, how they should work, how they should study the game, and however those veteran players lead them is how those younger players are going to act. And if you have a good culture, what that means is that those veteran players know exactly what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it, and their examples for those younger players. And then when those younger players fall in line, they put them back in line. So now, you know, here comes the next year's signing class, and now those guys that were newcomers the year before are now the, the policers. You know what I mean? They're now policing the the newcomers, and that is the definition of culture. And the thing about Shane is, he's unlike a lot of us, he's had his whole life to watch that. You know, yep. he, he's he's had his whole life to watch what what building a culture is, being the son of a of a legendary coach. No doubt, he he's doing a hell of a job, and uh, I'm kind of excited to see. I think they can, you know, they. 
the portal is going to allow him to do it a little quicker than probably normal. Uh, but I'd be interested to see how quickly they can jump because here's the truth. I mean, they're they're not a terrible football team. They just they're missing they're missing the key piece. Okay, and I'll tell you what they are. In my opinion, they are a one hundred percent perfect example of how important the quarterback position is in college football. No, and I will tell you this: they had the most important GA hire of the season. I can tell you. Yes, I mean their GA is playing quarterback, man. <laughs> Talk about a great GA hire. <laughs> uh, I mean. But uh, but I mean that's but to be even be even competitive with that. I mean, if they 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 screw around and get a quarterback, I mean they could they could make a significant jump win wise. I mean I'm talking about like a a quarterback and what they're doing is probably a three or four win difference. Yes, and there's talent in South Carolina and North Carolina. There, there's players over there. You know, now granted yeah. you got to battle with Clemson and and North Carolina, but. If you can hang on to some of those guys in the Carolinas, you can put together a good roster. Yeah, roster-wise, what I would do if I was at South Carolina, I would, I would go get a transfer quarterback, okay, a good one, go get a transfer quarterback, and then go recruit a guy to you know, and let the transfer bridge the gap. Go get you a guy that you that you know, high school guy that, and then let him and develop him, and let the transfer guy bridge the gap so you can set it up for long-term success, but. I'm sure they'll do the same thing. They're not. They're not dumb. So, well, that's a good point, that Tyler, out. because the quarterback position is the one position that only one guy plays. You know what I mean? I mean, for you know, if you're playing D line, whether you're second team, first team, you're going to play in the game. You know, because they're going to rotate. You know, and same thing at wide receiver and running back. But it, obviously, a quarterback, one guy's going to play, and he's going to play the whole season. So. That's a position where there is a lot of transfers, a lot of transfers. And that's where some teams can really get themselves in a bind because they, they name their starter and then they lose all their backups to the portal. And then if that starter gets hurt, then yep. they have nobody. And what you're saying is a good point is bring in a freshman who's not expecting to start and let him be the backup so that he's being groomed to be the starter. And if the starter goes down, you got somebody that's talented enough to play, but it's not somebody that's disappointed that he's not the starter right from the get-go. And it's the most important position because it is the only position that touches the ball on every play. Well, the most important positions in football are the quarterback and the people that affect him. So it's a quarterback, the left tackle, the edge rush end, it's the quarterback and the people that affect him, and that's why those are the highest-paid people in the NFL. Bingo. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. That's just how it is. So, moving on from the Florida-South Carolina game, uh, which was – this game was probably one of my favorite games to watch, uh, Auburn and Texas A&M. What uh, – just like, you know, I actually hit this game, so I was excited about that. Uh Again, like I said, I think Texas A&M is playing is who we thought they were going to be, and they're minus a quarterback. And look, he's a t- he's a tough kid. The new, I mean, uh, and he's got a bright future. He's getting better and better. He's still not. I mean, he's got to learn touch, man. Cal's out of freaking. He throws some fastballs now. I mean, you you you're running a shallow cross on him. You better get your hands ready because he he's throwing at 87 yes, miles an hour he's not playing in your catch. grill. He's still no. He doesn't play catch. Target. Yeah, but tough kid. His shoulder left non-throwing shoulder came out. You know, he had the left knee injury. 
uh, two weeks ago, and then he's got the against Alabama, and then he's got now has his left shoulder comes out. He run a quarterback draw, um, and instead of getting down like tried to be a running back against Smoke Monday, and that's probably and Smoke Monday has been one of the most physical players in this league for a long time. Okay, like I'm terrible with names. I am. I'm terrible with names. Like when we're playing against people, I'm terrible with them. But when you when you stick out, I know your name. And he's been bringing he's been bringing thunder for a long time. Okay, Plus, in with this that league. name, I mean, how can you forget Smoke Monday? I mean, right. How how can you not be? Yeah. And I mean, uh, above average cover guy, but extremely, extremely physical. One of the most physical safeties in this league. And he decides he wants to go head-to-head with him. That's a slide. That's an automatic slide. Like, if you see 21 coming down the hill, just go ahead and get down. Like, the result is not going to be in your favor. But he did. He took him head to he took him on, and, and his left arm went dead. It came out. Uh, so his whole left side's jacked up. So we'll talk about that game coming up this week. They got, they got a big game this week, too. Uh, but A&M completely just dominated the line of scrimmage defensively to Auburn's offense, and it never gave him a chance. Oh, um, it was a complete butt kicking. I mean, I think I, I wrote it down here. 3.2 yards per play. 3.2 yards per play is what, what A&M held Auburn to. 200-some yard, yards total and 3.2 a play. And the difference is, and we got a lot of Auburn fans to listen to, but to me the difference is is – you know, everybody's like, oh, Bo Nix took a step back. Bo Nix really didn't take a step back, okay? He didn't have time to do crap. I mean, they were on him. I mean, they were on him quick. And when you play, the same thing happened with Georgia. And you look at the games that they've lost, okay? The games that they've lost, the other team's front is athletic enough to chase him down where he, he can't do his Johnny Manziel routine. That's the truth. Okay, so he he tried to do that a couple times and, and got way behind the chains, um, and when when he can't when he can't do that, they struggle. But let me tell you, I will say this: he's gonna play. There's gonna be a game coming up that I'm interested in watching here in a couple of weeks that uh, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I think he'll be able to do it here in a couple of weeks at home. I think he'll be able to run around. So. Well, A and M, um, like we talked about at the beginning of the year, is very, very talented, and especially on defense. And they're finally coming into themselves, like you said, Calzada's getting it figured out a little bit, and they're playing like we anticipated them to play the whole season. Yeah, I really like what they're doing right now. Uh, I think they're uh, becoming a complete team. Um, so I, I do. I, I think they're. You know, and I'd hate to know if they had the King kid. He was still with them right now. They'd probably be a little bit better. They'd probably do some more things on offense. But um, I wonder if he's coming back. Have you heard anything about him coming I back? I mean, he should be He should be getting with his – that's an eight-week deal usually what his injury. So, I'd be interested to see what the deal is that. Was. So, um, all right. And then before we get on to the other stuff, it, it's been uh, – this has been a crazy year already with coaching – uh, coaching get coaches getting fired, and I've actually for the first time in a long time I saw two things. So Georgia Southern hires Clay Helton in our in our uh, hiatus from last week. Uh, great hire, I mean, good for Clay. He's getting back close to home. That's where he's from. You know, he's from Georgia. 
His dad was a coach. He's been everywhere. But uh, great hire by Georgia Southern. And I will just say this. If you are a Georgia Southern fan and you're listening, please give this guy time because you've got to change from triple option to normal offense, and you've got to get personnel in there. So this is not going to be a quick fix. They've tried this. This is the third time they've tried it. Okay, I was really surprised that they hired a out, outside of the the AD. I, I actually found out some things on this one. The AD basically just flipped the bird to the boosters. There was a lot of old heads, a lot of old heads that were pushing two different option can triple option candidates. Um, Paul Johnson and some guys like that. Uh, Bo Hannon at Kennesaw State was one of them. Uh, but a lot of the old heads were pushing pushing those guys. Um, and the AD said, I'm doing it my way. And so so we're going to see how long this lasts. You know, here's the problem is Clay's probably going to be tied to the AD uh, because if a new AD gets hired, you know, that, it's such a political place down there, man. I'm talking about they, they running this thing like USC and Texas down at Georgia Southern. They are. I mean, it's, it's a whole – I mean – you know, it, it, it who I mean, it, it's, but it's always been like that. And everybody knows they have high, high expectations, extremely high expectations. And, you know, they love that they think, you know, that they ran the triple option and, and won all those championships in FCS and they should be doing the same thing in FBS. And I just, whoo, I mean, but they got, if they give Clay time, Clay's, Clay knows what he's doing now. Clay's a ball coach and Clay can recruit. And, um, but great hire by the AD. They just got to give him time. The fans got to give the AD time. I think it's, <laughs> I'm more worried about the fans giving the AD time than I am the AD giving Clay Hilton time. Uh, that's fair. Because some that's of those hires, most... like you said, the AD is tied to the coach. So the AD wants him to be successful. And so yeah. he's going to give him time. And uh, when you get in those situations, then usually you end up having a pretty good program. Yep. And then Texas Tech. I don't know if I've seen this ever, um, but I'm excited. Texas Tech hires Joey McGuire. Mm -hmm. Do you know Joey? I do. Yeah. So uh, they hired Joey McGuire. All right. I'll do this. Two things. I, it was kudos to Texas Tech. Of all the st crazy stuff you've ever done, you at least hired when you this one you didn't care about the press conference, okay? Um, was Texas high school coach has Texas ties has grown gone really fast in the business really quickly um, through the ranks, and then he comes in the middle of the year he leaves Baylor he's there. No, I know he's already recruiting. Yeah, I, I, on day one I noticed he already had offered some guys. I mean, yeah, that's that's. That's unique. It is. And, and Joey is a really high-energy guy, very popular um, with the Texas high school coaches. He was the head coach at um, uh, Cedar Hill, which won multiple state championships when he was there. When he was at Cedar Hill, I had that area, and I used to recruit that, that school. And you could literally have filled the whole roster just with his high school team. And um, <laughs> anyway – but he, he was very active in the Texas High School Coaches Association. One year he called me and said, hey, we had a speaker cancel at, um, at our clinic. Will you, will you come up and, and fill the void? And I did. I, I was coaching at Texas State at that time, and I drove up there and, and spoke. But my point is, is that he's 
he's very connected with all the Texas high school coaches. And that was a big reason why they hired him at Baylor. And that was a reason why they named him the interim head coach at Baylor. And that was a reason why um, Dave named him the assistant head coach at Baylor is he's very well connected with the Texas high school coaches and especially in the Dallas area. And Dallas is the closest area to, to Lubbock, Texas. And that's where they get the majority of their players. So this is a um, popular hire with local people. Yep. Well, I, you know, still don't agree with Wales being getting, getting let go, but at least they uh, didn't try to worry about winning the press conference because I think everybody would I mean, his name was not in any list. This is what I love about coaching searches, right? It's like all these gurus, hey, you know, these guys, these guys, these guys, those are agents floating names so they can get their guys paid. That's what it is. Well, um, one thing about Texas, too, you know, I coached in that state for a long time. I coached at Texas State, Houston, and Rice, okay? so I was there for close to 10 years, is they love to hire their own. I mean, Texas schools, especially the lower levels, trying to get an edge in some way, they love to hire their own. So they're always looking for a guy with Texas ties that can relate with the high school coaches and get Texas kids to stay in state. And, and, and look at the success that UTSA is having. I mean, Trailer's a a former Texas high school coach won multiple state championships too. And so I think they're looking at that same model. Yep. And then uh, yesterday, Scott Frost was announced that he was going to stay for 2022, restructured his contract, and then let go of his entire offensive staff. Uh, Again, I don't think that's something that he wanted to do. Uh, That's something he probably had to do. Um because I know he's been with a lot of those guys for a long time. You know, it reminds uh, me of um, Jim Harbaugh last year. You know, Jim yeah. Harbaugh, no, Michigan doesn't want to fire him. You know, they didn't want to fire him last year. He's, he's what to Michigan is, what Scott Frost is Nebraska. And so they restructured that contract to take less money to save face with some of the people that are upset with them, but complete overhaul with his assistant coaching staff. And that's what Jim Harbaugh did. Yeah, I just it's it's tough, man. It's a tough business. Uh, I know he didn't want to do that. I know it's tough on him personally. That, that's the part. That's the part of the business that I always never was a head coach, so I don't. Have, I didn't have to worry about this. But I just remember saying to myself, I was like, that would be the hardest because I'm I'm a ride or die guy, man. I'm, I'm a loyal, loyalty is is probably one of the most important things to me in the business. Um, it's something I learned from Larry Blakeney. Told me that. Uh, taught me that lesson. Right when I started coaching him, mean, he he did a great. I mean, he's like, if you if if you don't have loyalty in this business, you have nothing. And um, so I, I I really remember those things. And regardless of what it was, you know, regardless if I agreed with what we were doing or if I disagreed with what we were doing, when I left that meeting, I was coming out there selling it like it was my idea. Same thing here at Ole Miss. Same thing in Alabama. It doesn't matter if I agreed with it or I disagreed with it. I would let now I, the people I've worked for will let you know that they'll let you know this too. I, I was never a yes guy. Now I would let my opinion be known, but I think everybody that I worked for also understood that hey, that's I'm a good soldier too. Like if if the head coach says you know if I think we should be eating apples and the head coach wants to eat oranges, I'll let him know I think we should be eating apples and why we should be eating apples. But if he says that doesn't matter, we're eating oranges. When I left that room, guess what? I stuffed my face full of oranges. You know, that's what we're eating. Um, and, and I said it was the best orange ever. 
And you know what that you know, is, Tyler? That's staff culture. And a lot of fans don't realize how important staff culture is to being successful. And the fans may not realize why coaches like to hire people that they know. And the reason they like to hire people that they know is so they can guarantee that they're going to get the right staff culture. And, and, and that goes a long way, too. I mean, if the players see the staff all on the same page, then they're more likely to buy in. Yeah, they're not stupid. Right. I, the stupid. worst thing, if you're, a, if you're a coach out there and you're listening, whether you and you're a young coach especially, look, I, I've been in this situation more times than I can count. And, you know, you go in and, and, you know, I coach receivers for a long time. And then, you know, the OC or, or the head coach will be like, hey, we're going to run this play right here. I knew the play was dumb. Okay. I knew the play wasn't going to work. I, let, I made them, you know, we talked about that in the staff meeting that morning, whether it was offensive staff or full staff. But when I went out there, I sold it like it was the greatest idea that was ever invented, okay? And because if you don't, the players will see right through you, okay? And that creates bad mojo, man. That's bad chemistry. Um, so as a young coach, if you're out there listening, always it may not be – you may think it sucks, and it may suck. It may be the worst play call ever. It may be the worst idea that's ever been, but you have to sell it to your players like it's the greatest thing that's ever been invented because they'll see right through it. And, and you know what, Tyler, that's why they say that some coaches make it a long time in college and some don't. It's the guys that understand loyalty and understand how to be professional within the staff and how to help create staff culture are the ones that coach for a long time in college football. Yeah, it's tough, but – and I'll say this before we move on to our so what we're going to, some a couple of things we're going to talk about today. But before we move on, this firing season is about to get really. Um, this is going really to be, nuts. This is going to be one of the biggest turnovers in in all of college football. I mean, we had what seven jobs open in October. I think we had yeah. seven jobs open by October. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you off the air, but without I can't uh, without. Uh, betraying uh confidence confidentiality um definitely not saying it on the on the podcast but there's more about to come open um and deals are already done and people are putting staffs together um at at big time jobs um and this is going to be insane there there's just gonna be some movement that's gonna blow people i think i i I don't i i I know who the last two are at lsu i know who the last two i'll tell you off there i know who the last two candidates are lsu um found that out the other day so without betraying confidences i won't uh i don't know is it confidence confidentiality i wasn't an english major so um i was terrible in english my wife's killing me right now but um yeah, but it's going to be an interesting. I don't know uh, if uh, if our listeners are necessarily the English professors, so I don't. I well, that's the great thing about being from Alabama, man. Yeah, I can. All I have to all I have to claim is that I'm from Alabama, and I live in Mississippi, so I'm good. That's like a that's like a card, you know. That's like my immunization card. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I, I, I passed. People are like, well, we understand where he's coming from. Yeah, we understand. You're good. You're good. You're you're perfect. But uh, anyway, hey, moving on. A couple of things I want to talk about this week that that's impacting coaches. The first thing was to me, this kind of got slid under the radar. Like I can't believe this wasn't a bigger story than it was. Um, and I and I want the fans to understand this because you know we do have a lot of Ole Miss people listening now. So we went through a couple of investigations here, um, and 
all the NCAA investigation stuff. So U.S. Representative David Kustoff last week introduced the NCAA Accountability Act of 2021 to Congress, okay? And it's a bipartisan deal, okay, that basically allows the, gives due process, okay, to member institutions, to student athletes, the coaches, and administrators involved in an investigation, okay? And let me explain why this is important. And he said, he said this in, in being quoted and this was the best quote of all time. And I want fans to understand this. You do not have due process when you're being investigated by the NCAA. Okay, the NCAA is the prosecution, the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Correct. It's all the same. And, like, think about that. What if, like, all right, you get pulled over, all right, you get pulled over and the, uh, the police officer says, you ran a stop sign. And you says, and you go, I, I did not run a stop sign. I stopped and all that stuff. Well, they're the one that's doing the investigating. They're they're the one that's they're they're the, they're the, they're the one that's being the the judge, the jury, right. and they're giving you the punishment. Yeah. Like it's, it makes no sense. It's basically against, and it's it's factual. That's against due process of what you're guaranteed as an American. And and people don't understand this. You can't just go in. When the NCAA uh, starts that they want to interview you, you can't go in there and say, you know, I, I'm not talking to you. And you're, you, because if you don't talk, you're punished. Right. If you don't talk, you're punished. You'll get a show cause. If you don't talk, you're out of a job. And so that's why you have the words, the, the best four words in the English language when it comes to a coach. I do not recall. I do not recall. What can you state your name for the record? I do not recall. <laughs> what is your date of birth? I do not recall, sir. I mean, you just that's the only that is the I plead the fifth to the NCAA. I do not recall. What do you and then so and you get in these investigations and they start questioning you, they will ask you the same question 875 times. Okay, and you and you and they're just trying to trip you up. And if you say one word off, man, here we go. And so it's just, and they were keeping those in those meeting. I mean, in those meeting rooms for hours. It's just not a correct process, or it hasn't been a correct process. And so uh, I don't know if, and, and this guy's from uh, Memphis, by the way. He's a U.S. He's from Shelby County, and. So here's the other thing. He's going to limit this. This act is going to limit the investigations to one year long. Okay, which is that's that's ambitious, but it's good. I like it. I like okay, that. and then the most important thing is it's a two year statute of limitations. I think is critical, and we're going to get into this Oklahoma State deal in just a minute. Okay, but the, remember that two year statute of limitations. Okay, a revamped appeal process to where now, when you go to appeal, you go basically to to arbitration. Arbitration, not arbitration, arbitration. Okay, so you go to a different panel. Okay, the NCAA must submit annual reports on infraction cases to the Department of Justice. Because if they don't, it's a $15 million fine. Yeah, basically you have somebody else that is monitoring what they're doing. You know, yeah. they have to report to somebody. But here is where my man, my man uh, I don't even know the guy. I want to meet him. I'm kind of fired up. 
David Kustoff. This is the this is where he got him. So you know how how he usually they let nonprofits do their own deal, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's that's how it's always worked. And the NCAA is considered a nonprofit. I think that's hilarious. Okay, but the NCAA is considered a nonprofit. All right. So he used the authority to regulate the NCAA through the Commerce Clause of the Constitution since the NCAA activities substantially affect interstate commerce. Yeah, it was so that I mean he got he got creative. He got and it's true. I mean he's not lying. That's the that's fact. And so here's what's wrong with the due process, right? All right, we had two cases come up last week. I mean, this article came out, and it was like the next day and the next day, these two things popped out. Mm -hmm. So the Oklahoma State basketball team has been under investigation. And, I mean, the coach was all emotional. If you haven't seen it or didn't see what was going on, he was all emotional because they got a postseason ban. Right. And he was pissed off, and rightfully so. They did. He did. He cooperated. He talked to them. He didn't say, I do not recall. He answered every question. And it was something that happened a long time ago. There's not one coach or one player at Oklahoma State, okay, that had anything to do. And guess what they found? Basically, it was a, some kind of $300 gift to somebody or something about something. It was over 300 bucks. Right. Okay. So for 300 bucks, $300, they have a postseason ban, and you're punishing these kids and these coaches that have nothing to do, nothing to do with what happened however many years ago. Nothing. And that's where the two-year limitation uh, statute yeah. limitation would come into place it's insane. It's a bunch of people that weren't even there. It's insane. Yeah. And and look, guys, I worked through this deal. Like when I came back and was having to recruit through. I mean, just it's a nightmare, man. It is a nightmare. It took. I know. I know that the Ole Miss fans were all pissed off about the 2019 class, and and they wanted to get like they're still pissed because we didn't get Nakobe Dean. Okay. And we didn't get this guy. And they didn't get this guy. And they didn't get, didn't get this guy. Best job I've ever done running recruiting was in that year because it was so – I mean, people have no idea how hard it is to recruit with your two hands tied behind your back. I mean, it's just well, – it's it's one thing to know the probation or the sanctions that you're going to be under and be able to use that. In correct. It's another thing not to know and have it looming. And now the opposing recruiter – can just say anything. Hammer you. Hammer. Well, yeah, they're going to hammer you. Or they're, you know, they're never going to a bowl game, or they're going to have scholarship limitations because you don't know what it is. And, and and they're good, man. Let me tell you something. It's not just like, hey, they're going to be on postseason band. You should come here. They play with the emotions of these kids, the parents. The closer it gets to sign day, you can be in it on somebody, a really good player. And then all of a sudden it's like, eh, you know, they start getting cold feet when it gets closer to when it gets closer right. to wedding day, people start getting cold feet. And it's just it's so difficult to do that. It's incredibly difficult. It was actually more difficult to recruit. So I was at Ole Miss at two different stops, right? So twelve and thirteen and you know, recruiting classes, and then the uh, Twelve and thirteen recruiting classes here the first time, and then just the nineteen class the last time, or half of the at the end of the eighteen stuff. But it was so much harder to recruit, like uh, fifty times harder to recruit in nineteen than it was in thirteen when they had won an SEC game in like three years. Oh yeah, I mean it's insane. I mean, it wasn't even well if you take wasn't even close. You take away a player's hope, you take away everything, and. 
if there's no hope for a bowl game, if there's no hope, you know, for uh, scholarship numbers to be right and winning seasons, then 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 you're not going to get them. And then, so Oklahoma State got screwed. This would have helped them. And then the, and the next thing is Tennessee, <laughs> the next day, self-imposes penalties after their, investig- their internal investigation. And those penalties did not include a postseason ban. <laughs> yeah. So you got Oklahoma State that's getting a postseason ban for 300 bucks. 300 well, bucks. And didn't Oklahoma, St- uh, Oklahoma State, didn't they let their coach go at that time too? That yeah, everybody's – there's nobody there. Yeah, but they let him go. And the same thing with Tennessee now. Of, but Oklahoma State let him go because of the investigation. You know what I mean? Like Correct. they're saying, we've already punished ourselves. You know, we did it early, you know. But anyway. They got, they got royally screwed. All right. And then Tennessee, I will say, I'll go, I'm going to go good, good here. Okay. Is Tennessee self imposes and and doesn't put the bowl ban on there. Now, whoever decided to do that and sign off on that on Tennessee, I kind of like you because you know how important that is in recruiting. That's right. If I go to a living room and I say, we can play for a championship. They don't give a rat's crack how many scholarship reductions you got, how many visits you left, you know you can't do, how many phone calls you can't make. If I go into a living room and I say we can compete for championships this year, I'm good. They don't care if you got 42 scholarships. Okay, <laughs> as long as they're I'm one good. Of them. <laughs> as long as they're one of them, I'm good. But when you go in there and you're like, yeah, we can't go to a bowl game this year, or hey, you know, and the unofficial visit ban that we were, oh my gosh, dude. I mean, I, I can't even begin to. But that was smart on Tennessee's part. Now, because here's why I think it's smart on Tennessee's part. I think Tennessee, if you're a Tennessee fan, I don't know who. I don't know who. I don't know if it's a president, AD. I don't know. I want to say it was AD because he's pretty good now. They are banking on the fact, I think, by the time all of this comes to fruition, that they get all their stuff done, that this act – or the NCAA is going to be separated. They're going. They're going to somehow get out of this deal. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I believe somehow it's going to be like they're going to get grandfathered into a new legislation or new rule or something. Like I think they're trying to play this, stretch this thing out to see what happens with these rules. Yeah, that's a good I do. point. Real good point. So, because now the NCAA is now going to, have to come in and do. You know, I mean, well, they could get hit with this. Said, so. Uh, the senator that proposed the uh, two-year statute limitations is from the state of Tennessee. He's from the state of Tennessee. How about that? Yep. But he based it off the Wiseman basketball case at, at Memphis a couple years ago. But maybe he knew – maybe he just, you know, snuck one in. You know, they're, they're good at that. Maybe he's thinking ahead. So I will tell you who he – and I don't even know. I, his name was not in the article. But let me tell you who I guarantee you is on the board with this that's now in, in the Senate. Is Tommy Tuberville? Oh yeah, he needs. I bet he's all. I bet he's all over this. Chairman of this one, right? I bet he's all over this. Yeah, he and a bag of chips. He needs to take this law and run with it and get some good political time. Because you know he was the head coach at Ole Miss right after the when they were going through basically the death penalty. Mm. You know, not the death penalty, but the about as close as you could get to the death penalty. They had no, two years of probation, no TV. They were down like forty scholarships or something. Like he knows. He knows the issues. Right. Um, so I bet he's all over this. All right, the last thing before we get to our uh, week review and picks is coming out yesterday was the NCAA drafts basically a new constitution 
uh, they're going to vote on in January um, that basically allows each division to uh, or reorganize and restructure itself and to be voted on in January. It's interesting. Like, what are we doing, DJ? I mean, it's basically what we've been saying this whole season. That The whole time? Yes, the whole time. Everything that we've been saying is coming to fruition, but the NCAA is, is on board with it. Well, the NCAA, they had no choice. Yeah. Here's what happened. I really believe this is what happened in Indianapolis. Okay, they was like, you know what we should do? We should do NIL. And somebody's like, well, you know, I don't know if we can do that. That's going to lead to a lot. You know, remember what we talked about. People can't see two feet in front of their face. And we've been talking about it for since this podcast has been in existence. We've been talking about this, that this day was coming. Yep. And so they've realized that, oh, crap, we're, we're fixing to be out of business in the NCAA because these conferences, all this conference realignment, everything that's going on, there's NCAA starting to do this number right here and scratch their head. And they're like, we're fixing to be out of business. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to allow it. We're, we're, hey, guys, we're going to be a part of you. You can reorganize and do what you want to do. That's what that is. That's, self, that's a self-preservation constitution is what that was. Right. They're just going to squeeze every nickel they can get out before they get completely squeezed out. That's what that is. Yeah, it's, it's you know, public opinion. Whatever the public opinion is, then they're getting on board with it and they're trying to find a way to live within it. Yeah, they're trying. That's that's self-preservation move right there. That's that's their their boss came in and said you have to fire your whole offensive staff or you're getting fired. That's what happened. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what happened to the NCAA. They got they got they got coached. All right, they got. That's what happened to them. So, gonna be very interesting though. I mean, well, and just so the fans know, right now the NCAA has the NCAA rules, and then on top of that, there are conference specific rules. Like one of them that was always a stickler when I was in the SEC was that the SEC schools had a more stringent um, academic requirement for junior college players than the rest of college football. There was an English and a science class that they had to have and they had to take it on campus. And, and so there were some junior college players that were great players that if you coached at an SEC team that you could not even recruit. You know, Correct. Another SEC rule that I remember was, was tough was that if – you were, um, if you have not um, qualified or finished your academic requirements um, to play for the next season, then you could not be on campus that summer working out with the t- working out at all. You couldn't live there that summer, which that's not a rule in other conferences. That's only a rule in the SEC. And so I think the way that this thing's going to go is is not only do conferences. Um, have to follow the NCAA rules and have the ability to have more stringent rules, they don't have to follow the NCAA rules anymore. They, they can set their own rules and their own way of doing things within the NCAA because the NCAA is allowing them to basically form their own governments. You know, basically you're saying the NCAA is the federal government and, and these conferences are the state governments. Yep. So very, that's a very good analogy right there. Look at you, DJ. I getting, know, man. Getting, you, you running for office? That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> maybe if Tommy Tuberville, man, maybe I'll be – if I, that's you Might as well, right? I mean, college coaches can get elected to the Senate, man. Shoot, maybe that would be the next thing we should do, Tyler. Yeah, quick politics. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, but but here's the thing, too. Like I was going – let me tell you one rule used to drive me nuts. 
Like I, I just it was SEC rules. So running recruiting, man, you had to know obviously the NCAA ins and outs, but the SEC manual, I mean, it was completely. It's a whole other, it's a whole other set of stereo instructions. Well, you remember we had, but here, here we had to go to that seminar. You, once you get, yeah, you had to go to Birmingham. Yeah, you got to go to Birmingham and learn the SEC rules. Yeah, first time in, all new coaches, all new staff have to go to Birmingham. They're, they have two dates in the summer, and they sit in there and they basically scare the shit out of you for uh, two days. You know that that it, it's it's a good one. Uh, but I got lucky when I left and went to South Alabama. I got grandfathered in. I, I wasn't gone long enough, so I got I didn't have to go to the back the second time. So, yeah. but here was a rule that like fans like <laughs> like this is how crazy it was. Okay, so some point in time, I don't know. I would like to go get a time machine. And whoever, whoever, what recruiting guy came up with this idea? It wasn't me. I want to go on record and saying this was not me. Okay, had nothing to do with this. Now I had to do it because I had to respond, um, but this had nothing to do with any idea I ever had in my entire life. Whoever came up with the full uniform photo shoot idea in recruiting, I would like to go back in time, get a time machine. And punch you in the throat. <laughs> I would. I would like to dis. I, I would. I would. The worst thing. I mean, DJ. I know recruiting people who have quit their job in college football because of the photo shoot. <laughs> I mean, it is nobody likes to do it. I mean. And it's like one of those things where you gotta, and it's just it's gotten so out of hand that you gotta do it because every kid wants to do it. I mean, it's like like they think they're models or something. And so you'll have like, let's say you have this really big recruit, right? And he comes to he comes to campus with his fourteen guys that that like the five foot seven left guard. Well, they all gotta get in uniform, okay? They all gotta get in uniform, and it just it's just like. It takes forever, ever. All right, so the I mean, it is. I, it's terrible. I mean, it's so terrible. Uh, I, I can't but stop anyway, laughing because I didn't know where you were going with that, and you said I want to punch you in the throat. <laughs> yes, I, I, I really would, and I can't find. How about this? I would, I would bet you a hundred dollars that you can't find one recruiting person. In the United States of America, that it that's like I love doing photo shoots. Like, find me one that thinks that's a great idea. Like, so somebody down. I want to know who came up with it. That's what I want to do. I want to find an independent research project. I want to find out whose idea this was because it was somebody's. Like, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to take photo shoots of players. Like, I want to find out who the first guy is, and I want to bring him on this show and just cuss him out. I want to tell him all the frustrations that he's caused. Every recruiting department in the history of recruiting. I mean, it's terrible, DJ. I mean, I'm sitting here like, I mean, I can remember like, like it got to the point. I thank goodness that I moved up the up the ladder when this stuff was getting popular, and so bless his heart. But like Clay, like I thought many times if if Clay Karcher wasn't as good of a of a recruiting person as he was and nice of a person, he would have quit 14 times. I had to talk him off the ledge like eight times. But I'm talking about like, and the, and it's not just that equipment managers too hate it. Equipment managers want to shoot people because the kids like, look, this is the truth. You bring a kid in there, you got you start doing these photo shoots. You got to bring the gloves in. You got to bring all the stuff in there. They'll start taking stuff. Okay, yeah. kids aren't angels. 
They'll right. start trying to put the gloves in their pockets and all that stuff. That's a violation, okay? That's an NCAA violation. So you have to go in and check all this stuff up. And then so it's like you got this list. So I've got, all right, do we get the jerseys back? Yes. Do we get the helmet back? Do we get the knee pads back? Because they take anything, it's a violation, and you have to turn all this stuff into compliance. All right, well, I started all that to tell you this before I got off of my soapbox. I started all, all of you to tell you this. In the SEC, you can't take pictures on the field. It has to be in the locker room or, you know, they have, they have, it has to be inside the normal dressing facilities. Mm -hmm. uh, they have eased up the rule a little bit, but when I was doing it, you couldn't be on the field, but like the ACC, the Big Ten, whoever, they could go on the field and take pictures and do all that stuff. And there were so many like rules like that, that, that you had to follow in the SEC. And then the kids would come to you like, hey, I want to go take a picture on the field. And you're like, oh, you can't. And so they're like, what do you mean? I could do it at Baylor or I could do it at, at Clemson. Why can't I do it here? Uh, well, because it's the SEC rule. And then what really would get you is when you would when you have like these junior days and you'd be having photo shoots for the whole world, okay? And then, you know, you got 150 people taking pictures and then the one person slips out the door to go take a picture on the, on the practice field, on the, on the, you know, at our setup at Ole Miss – the indoor the facility, the indoor practice field was right outside the locker room, right? Right. And so they would sneak out a, a side door. The locker room's huge. And so then you got to go put, you know, people at every door. You know, i got to put workers at every door of the locker room. I and mean, just stuff like that, that the rules are different in every league. And the SEC for sure was the most stringent. Right. Um, and same thing what you said with junior college players. You know, when you're recruiting junior college players, if the – if Let's say the pool of junior college players that uh, Baylor could recruit, okay, is 100%. SEC is about 10%. Right. Nine out of every 10 guys you can't recruit because of the academic requirements. No doubt. And so um, now the schools in Mississippi, the JUCOs in Mississippi did a really good job because they're in Mississippi, they're in SEC country. They have done over the years done a great job of getting making sure that they're SEC eligible. Correct. Okay, um, but once you, and then Texas the same way. Kansas, uh, not at first, but probably in the last ten years, Kansas has done a great job with that. Okay. I tell you where where you can't get them though is the California JC. California. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize this. There are no scholarships. Eighty JCs outside of California that play football, and then there's eighty JCs in California that play football. Correct. I mean, that is where a lot of the junior college players come from, or from the California JCs. And it's non-scholarship, okay? And then the kids have – so they have no money, and they're living – like if you ever watched uh, – it was pretty good, uh, Last Chance You on the basketball team and the football team. Right? You see how those kids live hours away? I mean, they drive in. Um you know, and we've signed some California JUCO kids over the years, and it's just some of their stories are amazing about how much they've they persevered struggle. just getting to school, you know, right. the struggle. I mean, it's um, – I remember going out uh, to uh, – when I was at South Alabama, I went out there to recruit a receiver, and uh, we also went to go get a offensive lineman that we were bringing in mid-year. And um, he – he was like living in an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment. Now, he, this guy's 340 pounds, and he's living in a two-bedroom apartment with seven people. Oh, yeah, because it's so expensive. You know, and, yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, so. it's, it's – um, and, and they're understaffed, too. You know, they usually only have, like, one full-time coach for the whole football team. The rest of them are part-time guys, you know. 
And so yeah. they're, they're not right. going to get to the SEC requirements. Let's put it that way. Correct. All right, DJ, we're going to move on to the playoff. It's, it's playoff time. The home visit uh, playoff rankings. And uh, I'm going to let you start it off. I'll let you go first. All right, so um, I'm still going with Georgia, okay? No. I know. I know it sounds crazy, huh? Who would have thought that, right? Who would have thunk it? Yes. I'm sticking with uh, Alabama at two, okay? Okay. I'm I'm, 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 I'm going Ohio State three, okay? And I'm going Oklahoma four. Um, Right outside of that to me would be Oregon, and then at six, I would have uh, Cincinnati. We got actually got some different – we were like pretty much the same last week. Yep. I have revamped mine. Okay. I'm going one. This is a shocker. You ready? Yeah, Georgia. Georgia. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not even close. We're not even having to – I mean, I don't care if they lose a game. They're going to be one for the rest of the year for me. Um, two is Alabama. Okay. I, I mean, they are. Now, do I think they'll finish there? I actually don't. I don't think Alabama's going to make a playoff this year. You think they're going to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game? If they don't lose the week before. Yeah. They, I'm telling you, been on the staff. Don't go. I mean, this this game at Auburn is not going to be a cakewalk. Just letting everybody know. before. If you're an Alabama fan, I'm just letting you know right now, going into Jordan-Hare in a couple of weeks is not going to be a cakewalk. So you better freaking strap it up. It's going to be one of those games. And scares the. I mean, if I was, and then you got to turn around and play Georgia the next week if you win. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, I'm that one's not going. If Auburn beats Alabama, I'm not going to be surprised there. All right. My third team, I put them in here, okay. Because this thing is getting blown up. I put Oklahoma three, uh, just because they're undefeated and they're in a Power Five group. And here's the thing. Oklahoma's either going to be there or they're not. Because, and, I, and I've said this the whole time. They're about to have to play Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Correct. And then probably have to play one of those three again the next week. That's right. I don't know which one of those three it's going to be, but it's going to be one of those three. So if they win the next four games, they, they deserve to be in. If they win the next four games, they are going to be three. That's why I'm – Yes. That's why I'm putting exactly. there. All right. But do I th- – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised they lost, but if they, they get there, they're undefeated there, okay? My fourth team is Oregon. Yeah, you like Oregon. Um, well, I just – I can't – Sam said the same thing last week. I can't – like, I'm not an idiot. I watch football too. I mean, I think – do you say oh, – I mean, if you look at the eyeball test and you look at everything, you're like, oh, okay, Ohio State is – is better than Oregon, but they played each other. Okay, well, that we can't throw that away. That didn't happen. That wasn't a bowl game that they played last year. That was this season, right? And they did it in Columbia. Like, why are we discounting that? I don't. That I'm just. I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know why. Thing the, the committee's doing too. The committee's taking that into consideration, and that's why they keep ranking them ahead of them too. But well, how can you not? Yes. I'm the only reason I'm just, you know, the same reason that I've got Alabama too. You know, Alabama has a loss, but I still think if Alabama were to play Oregon, Ohio State, or Oklahoma, they would beat them. I agree. You know what I mean? And so, 
I just look at it more, I guess, from a power ranking standpoint on who at this time right now would win if they played each other. But I, I completely right. agree with being fair to what has been proven on the field, like you're saying, and saying that Oregon has beaten Ohio State. And then they did it at Columbus. <laughs> I mean, they went on, like, and everybody's like, well, like I heard this yesterday on a show. Well, you know, the quarterback wasn't playing great then, and he's playing better now. I disagree. I mean, Oregon Oregon doesn't have their best player played in the game. Thibodeau would even play in that game. That's one. And then two is this. If people want to know how you beat Ohio, beat, uh, Ohio State, like when they play against athletes on defense, that, they don't do well on offense. They're going to have to play some athletes at some point in time. Right. And I think that's what happened to them at Oregon. But anyway, uh, my first two out, though, number five is Ohio State. Okay. Um, and then my sixth one, you're going to die. Okay. Now, I, I am the only probably person ever that's got this team at six. The Texas A&M, the Texas A&M Aggies are number six. That's what I was going to guess. All right. And I can see – here's the thing. I can see this whole thing blowing up. Okay? Like, think about this. Alabama, the probability of Alabama winning out is probably low, in my opinion. I think they lose to Auburn or they lose to Georgia. All right? But it's certainly if they win those two, they deserve to be in. Okay? Uh, but that's, a, that's easier said than done. Okay? Oklahoma is supposed to run this gamut. Okay? And they already the, – the committee doesn't even like Oklahoma to begin with. Right. All right? So, the, the way they put them, they like eight or whatever they were last week. If Oklahoma loses, they're done. And I, I think there's a high probability that they lose one of these games. Okay? Ohio State – so that to me, you got Georgia, okay, and then whoever survives this Big Ten gamut, okay. It's not out of question. I mean, Ohio State better strap it up this week. Purdue can beat you too, no doubt. And so, you know, but if Ohio State survives the Big Ten East and may, and gets and wins and, and whoever wins the Big Ten, as long as you're a Big Ten East team, you're in the playoff. Go right. So you got, and then Oregon. I mean, Oregon could lose another game easily too. I mean, there is you know. And so here's what happens. Do you – when it comes to Cincinnati and Notre Dame, I'm just not a believer. I'm not. I don't think in any stra- – I don't care. There's so much carnage going on right now. But I don't think – I think a two-loss Texas A&M team is better than an undefeated Cincinnati team. I think a two-loss Texas A&M team is better than a one-loss Notre Dame team. I do. Well, and that's and – here's what – but here's the thing, though. Hear me out on this one. If, if there's two ways this could happen, okay, if Texas A&M wins out, okay, because they just beat Auburn, okay, they, here's what they've done in recent weeks, just so everybody knows. They beat Alabama, who's ranked where? Two. Number two. All right. They, they drubbed, they, they manhandled Auburn last week, physically manhandled them. Yep. Auburn was in the well, like top 13th, whatever they were ranked, 12th, 13th, whatever it was. And now they're coming to – Oxford this week on the road to play another top 15 team, Oxford. I mean, Ole Miss is 12, I think. And then you have to turn around and you're going to go play LSU. Right. They're going to be a, sitting there a two-loss team with running the table at the end of the season with that, with that, with that schedule running the table. Correct. If they, you know, handle their business. If Auburn beats Alabama, guess who's in, guess who's in the uh, SEC championship game? Yeah, Texas A&M is. They, then they have their shot. Yeah. Because right. then if they beat Which, Georgia, they're getting in. Yeah. 
which here's the crazy part. I don't think they want that shot. I mean, they they would what they probably want to do is let Alabama go to the SEC championship game, let Alabama get beat. And now that now the committee has this debate because they already don't like Oklahoma. They don't. I mean, you'd have this carnage to where everybody could lose except for Georgia, right? And all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, "Do we put a two-loss Alabama team in, or a two-loss Texas A&M team in?" When Texas and played each other head to head. Yep. So, I see a path, although it'd be a wacky path, but that's how this season's been. It's been carnage everywhere. I see a crazy path to where A&M gets in as a two-loss team. I can see the same path. I can see that where that would happen. And I know that the committee has said that they're not looking ahead. They're looking at what the team has done on the field at this point. They're not looking at who they play ahead and whether they could get in. But I disagree. I think one reason why they're ranking some of these teams lower is because they know if they win these games ahead, they're going to move up. And then they can say to the other teams, well, we ranked them. You know, we ranked Oklahoma eighth initially. You know what I mean? I think that's, I think that's in their mind. Correct. Because you can't keep out – if Oklahoma runs the table, they're not they're, – they're going. Okay? Oklahoma's going – like, they can be ranked – Let's put it like this. If it came between an undefeated Oklahoma and an undefeated Cincinnati, who do you think is going? Correct. Exactly. And then where are they ranked right now? Yeah. You know, that's the, you're, they're doing exactly what you're saying. Yeah, they're doing exactly what I'm saying. They're trying to save face with Cincinnati fans by putting Oklahoma behind them, knowing that Oklahoma has the schedule in front of them to pass them, and Cincinnati doesn't. The only, the only thing that the, – the most interesting thing to me is if it came down for a last spot between, like, Oregon and Ohio State – it looks like they've looks like they've laid the gauntlet that they've you know when that was the one thing I noticed about last week is they look like they've laid the gauntlet that that head to head matters to the committee. Yeah. Um, well, it's I the same reason it, there was another ranking that people didn't notice either. Mississippi State five and three was ranked ahead of Kentucky and NC State, who were six and two last week. But yeah. Mississippi State beat both those teams. Mississippi State beat North Carolina State, yeah. and they beat Kentucky. And even though they had one more loss, the committee ranked them ahead of them. That's a big game this week, too, in SEC. So, yeah. But, yeah, and here's the thing is I'm just not – I mean, I can't – I'm just not putting Notre Dame or Cincinnati. I don't care if they all win the rest of their games. I'm not – I just – I don't see them as a top-four team. I don't. So, if I don't see them ever being a top-four team, I mean, I really don't. I would rather take a two-loss team than an undefeated – if they don't win another game, I'd rather take a two-loss Texas A&M than I would take an undefeated um, – Cincinnati, and that's just the way I see it. And if I'm not going to ever put them in my top four, why am I ever going to put them in my top six? But I'm not on the committee, so it doesn't matter. Well, and I agree with you. I'll be devil's advocate here. One argument that I hear from people is how close the bowl game was last year between Cincinnati and Georgia. All right, I got, and I, and I can respond to that, okay? Georgia had 40,000 opt-outs, okay, because their guys are so good that they're going to the NFL, Okay, it was Cincinnati's Super Bowl. Okay, they get a chance to play. All right, uh, uh, SEC team. Okay, and then two is this. Okay, I one of the craziest things that ever like I just couldn't understand. Okay, but I get it now because it was I'd never been through it before. All right, my first year at Alabama, we were undefeated, the number one team in the country. All right, and we go into Jordan Hare Stadium undefeated, the number one team in the country. And we lose this game that they now call it the kick six game. Okay. That took us out of the SEC championship game. 
Right. All right, so we couldn't play for the SEC championship game. Auburn did, okay? And then Auburn goes on. They beat, I think it was Missouri that year on the other side. They beat Missouri. And Auburn's like a two-loss team that goes into – oh, no, they were a one-loss team, I think. I can't remember. But they had won, they had, they had won incredibly lucky games back-to-back. They had – they call it the, the – Prayer and Jordan Hare, that when they, they throw the Hail Mary from like the minus 20 and it bounces off the Georgia guy and he catches it in stride. If that happens, if that ball just falls incomplete, it doesn't matter what happens. In the, it didn't even matter what the Auburn, the Auburn game didn't matter. We were still going to the SEC championship game and we'd still gone to play Florida State. Okay. The best football team I have ever been a part of, not even close. I'm talking about the best players I've ever seen. And maybe in an argument, and Nick would probably tell you now, minus now he had a good one last year, okay, in the year, you know, that won it all. But if you ask Nick to rank his teams, he'd put that in the top two or three teams he's ever had at Alabama. The 2013, I think it was 2013 Alabama team. So we don't go to the SEC championship game. We go to the Sugar Bowl, okay? Any other program in the world that gets to go to the Sugar Bowl is what? And they're, like, fired up, man. It's like we're at the Sugar Bowl, all that stuff. It was the first game in, like, three years because Alabama had come off back-to-back national championship teams at 11 and 12. It was the first game in, like, since, like, 2010 that those kids that played it didn't mean anything. They didn't care about being there. The practices were – I mean, they were like – I mean, half the guys were like, I'm going pro, you know, and this is before opt-outs and all that stuff got popular – but it was like they didn't care about practicing. You know, if I'm dinged up, I'm getting ready for the draft. You know, they just – things changed. And us showing up to that play Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl was like – it was the flattest – I mean, it was like it was not even – it was a shell of our team because nobody was motivated to play. Right. And I think I think Georgia had the same kind of thing. When they go through that whole deal, you know, they've been playing – it was a – the game didn't mean anything. And so the, they still won the game, but it wasn't – it wasn't the other deal. I, mean, I don't know. And then here's the other thing is I hate when – and I, this is my other argument. I'm talking about like when you, when you hear a stat like, well, you know, they've never won. They can't – they don't – you know, they haven't played well here in, in 46 years, okay? And you have like a new coach and a new team or whatever it is where they haven't played – every time they come to Starkville, you know, they don't play well. And I don't remember who it was the other day. It was like, oh, it was a, it was a Sunbelt game, okay? It was like uh, it was a Sunbelt game, and somebody's like, well, they don't ever play well when they go down to Lafayette. I said, okay, so you're telling me that if I took Alabama's, the entire Alabama roster and put them in those uniforms, they're still not going to play well? <laughs> it's the players. It's, it's who's in the uniform. It has nothing to do with your team. Not like Anybody that, that narrative that my team doesn't play well when we go there – yeah. So just just think about this. Take the Alabama roster or the Georgia roster now. Georgia's kind of take the Georgia defensive roster and put it in your uniform and tell me how the outcome of the game is going to be. Exactly. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see how how it turns out. I see if you struggle on the road that day. No, you don't. Every team's different. So anyway, all right. I'm getting off a soapbox. We got to get to picks. All right. So as we start our picks, I want to I want to make sure if I were you and you were listening to this. I would take any pick that I say and just go complete opposite. Okay, I'm I have sucked so bad. I mean, DJ, I don't even know, man. It's like I got screwed on two games. I mean, I was staring a great weekend in the face. I had a missed field goal that cost me one, 
And then my guys at Wake Forest, my money line, they just decided not to score in the fourth quarter. I was feeling really good in the third quarter about that one. Um, I, I don't know, man. I just So if you're listening, look, just fade me, okay? Fade me. So whatever I pick, pick completely the opposite, and you're probably going to have a winning week. Because I can't even – I'm terrible. This is embarrassing. I, I don't even – like, I, I just – and I did, look, we had a little extra time this week. I've actually studied and really put – but guess what? I did last week too. I actually looked at it last week. Sucked. So, just take whatever I'm picking, pick the opposite. DJ's still on a uh, – I know you had a rough week last week. But, look, the only reason you had a rough week last week was because you picked what I picked. That's the only reason that you had a bad week. I so, I don't know, DJ. I'm just – I'm really down in the dumps about it. But um, go ahead. All I'll right. let you start them off because I, I, I don't even – I don't even want the tee box. Okay? I don't even want the tee box. You take the tee box. First pick, go. First pick, Georgia-Tennessee. Georgia uh, favored by 20, 20 and a half points. I'm taking Georgia. 20 and a half comes to see like the Vegas. They like, they like that line with Georgia. That's one of those <laughs> – um, I'm interested in this game. I'm interested in watching this game. What do you? What's your gut? What do you? You just think Georgia's gonna kill them? I think that um, you know Tennessee runs that up tempo offense, and they really got after um, Kentucky's secondary and took advantage of what I talked about—a um, depleted Kentucky defensive line. Well, they're not gonna have that advantage with Georgia. And if anything, that Kentucky-Tennessee game now has the Georgia players on edge. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. that I, I, I think that, that Georgia is going to go in there and is going to be fired up because of the way that Tennessee played last week against Kentucky. You know, and here's the game, you know, for fans, this is the game between the game. I tend to agree with you. Um, look, Tennessee's playing great. What he's done at Tennessee, coach of the year stuff. Him and Beamer, I mean, even though their records aren't, I mean, like coach of the year kind of stuff. Um, but here's the game between the game that what Tennessee does to cause everyone else problems that I don't, that I think Georgia kind of is like sitting there like waiting on it, is they're going to take, in this system, they're going to take these wide outs and they're going to spread them out. As wide as they can get them, and this, and they're counting numbers. If you if you start if you widen out with them, they will run the football because they have numbers in the box. It's a Art Briles okay. offense. That's what yes. Tennessee runs. Correct. Okay. If you play the run, they're going to throw the ball. Okay. They're trying to be correct on the board. Okay. But here's the deal in this game, and I want all the fans to understand this. And DJ's going to laugh when I tell you this. They're go- Tennessee is going to be right on the board every time. Yeah. Every time Tennessee's going to be right on the board. But guess what? You're not right on signing day, okay? And, and when they go to run the football with numbers, they, they will have numbers, okay? They are go, it's, their X's are better than their O's. Correct. Fair and they are going to get – they're not going to be able to run the football even with numbers. And it's going to, shut, it's going to blow their minds. It's going to bog them down. Um, but – and it's the same thing. I don't know if you were on here or not, but I remember back in like 2008. This is going back 100 years ago when Alabama, Alabama's welcome, like oh crap, Alabama moment. Alabama went on the road to Georgia, ironically, 
and it was the black their uh, iconic blackout game where they had Georgia had like Matt Stafford, they had AJ Green, they had like No Sean Marino at running back. They were like loaded. They were the number one team in the country. Alabama was like up and coming, right? And this is back in the twenty one personnel days. Alabama lined up and played two man every snap. Every snap, and they were a man short every snap. But they doubled, they were, so they were doubling A.J. Green, and they were a man short in a box, and they just physically beat them to death to where it didn't matter. They just they whipped everybody, and, and I think that's what you're going to see this weekend. Oh, yeah. But it's a good one. All right, my first pick, D.J., this is uh, – I'm, I'm all over the place here. I'm going like I'm – in, I'm in desperation mode. So, remember, fans, pick the opposite of me. <laughs> New Mexico State oh, Aggies. Yeah, I'm doing it. New Mexico State Aggies are going into Tuscaloosa, Alabama this weekend. And they are getting 51 and a half points. 51 and a half. Mm-hmm. I am taking the New Mexico State Aggies plus 51 and a half. Okay? And this is why I do actually – I actually like this pick. I like all my picks. They just never – they never fall through. So, pick the opposite. But here's – I'll tell you why – I always tell you why I pick them. Is New Mexico State's not terrible on offense, okay? They're not. Um, they, they do score some points. And, look, Nick, been there, been in the staff room. I know he does not like running the score up, okay? He needs to get guys healthy, and I think he knows that. They're banged up. Um, and they got and they got to play Auburn coming up. And, and they got to play Arkansas. So, so, I think he wants to get out of there. Uh I think, and he doesn't like blowing up, blowing out people anyway. I think this game ends up like forty nine seven. I think it covers. Mm-hmm. I'm taking New Mexico State plus fifty one and a half. That's a lot of points. Last time I did that was, I think Toledo and Ohio State. And Ohio State had fifty, and Toledo missed a field goal at the end of the game or something, and I lost. So yeah, I need I need like three points, man. Yeah. If I can get like three points, if I get seven. If New Mexico State comes down on the first drive and scores a touchdown, I'll turn the TV off. Yeah, it's over. I need I need seven points. Let's go. Let's go New Mexico. Let's go Aggies. I need seven. Can you? How about a pick six, a block punt, a return kick? Yeah. A scoop and score something. Give me seven points. I'm good. All right, go ahead, DJ. What's your second? Next game for me is Purdue at Ohio State. Ohio State's getting twenty. And I'm taking Ohio State. I mean Purdue's getting twenty. I'm taking Ohio State. And my reason is, is, is you look at the way this season has gone, and especially you watch Purdue this season. And where I've missed on picks is I look at the team based on how they played the last week, right? And I'm not looking at the trends. And the trends are that if Purdue beats somebody, okay, and they beat somebody good, okay, then they don't play good the next week. And Ohio State has played, I think, average. And I think that they're trying to prove themselves and, and get into this playoff. And this is a team that they have a chance to, to do that against. And I think that they're going to cover. I think they're going to beat them by more than 20. Okay. I looked at that game. I actually liked it on the other side, but I didn't, That's my I point. didn't like it that Usually much. Usually I would have gone to the other side. I didn't like it that much. You know what I mean? That's, I'm kind but of no, you're going to win. Yeah, You're going to win because I like it on the it, other I'm side. Trying to look at it from a different lens, you know. Hey, what was your first pick again? My first pick was that Georgia was going to beat Tennessee by more than twenty and a half. All right, so here, here's, here's my, here's my uh, home visit 
uh, opinion. I actually liked Tennessee to in my head. I like Tennessee to cover, and I also liked Purdue to cover. So definitely go with DJ because DJ is going to win those two picks. Because I, I kind of in my head, I like the other ones. So DJ, those are that's you're two and zero guaranteed right there. So. Oh, that's what I'm doing. That. I'm kind of doing the same thing, man. Yeah, you're two and zero guaranteed. All right, my next game, I'm going. I, I, I fell asleep at the wheel in this team a little bit, I, and I, I call a spade a spade. I, I'm very impressed with the rebound, and, and nobody's really and starting to get a little bit of attention. But the Miami Hurricanes are starting to play some offense down in, in Coral Gables. They're playing better. They're playing. They're playing good, man. Uh, I mean. And I've and it's my fault. I fell asleep at the wheel, but man, I mean, they're they're putting together, they're stacking weeks. Uh, they're playing Florida State big robbery. Okay, they're playing Florida State, and they are two and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Florida State's three and six. They're still, I mean, they're up and down, up and down. But look, I I think Miami, like, am I? I mean, I think they beat them pretty good. I think this is a ten to fourteen point game. I like Miami big in this game. So I could take a Miami Miami minus two and a half against uh Florida State. I think that's a good pick. No, oh, that means that Florida State's gonna win the game. Thanks, DJ. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. Appreciate that. All right, go ahead. I'm just messing. Next next game, go ahead. The next game for me is Iowa State at Texas Tech. Um Iowa State's getting ten and a half, and I think Iowa State's gonna beat them by more than ten and a half. They 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 start to come together a little bit too, aren't mm-hmm. they? They are. How about that beatdown they put on Texas last week? Oh, my gosh. Texas has lost four games in a row. They're sitting at four and five. And it doesn't get any easier for them. You no. know? I mean, well, they got Kansas this week. They got yeah, Kansas man. this week. So, like, I actually, I wanted, if they were doing anything, like, I almost took that game. But Well, they're they favored got, by they 30. They're favored by 30. They got, they got issues in Texas right now, so I didn't there, There's only one game that Kansas has covered – the spread, and that's the one game you and I picked on. That was the Oklahoma game, whole season. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And <laughs> no, no doubt, that's it. All right, I'm going back to the well on this one. Um, a lot of people are probably going to stay away from this game, but I'm not. Look, I'm going Wake Forest is, is two point favorites, minus two against NC State. I think the money, a lot of that, this this thing probably come down close to pick them, but it is at Wake Forest. I really. Really like what they're doing on offense, man. I do. I watched a lot of that game. Their offense is really good. They're they're scoring a lot of points every week. NC State is good on defense, but they've Wake Forest has played good defenses, and it really they really haven't slowed down a whole lot. And I just think they're more explosive. I think they they win a high scoring shootout. You know what I mean? I do. Um, I don't think NC State can do what North Carolina did to them. And, and attack them in the exact same ways. I think these are two great ball coaches going against each other that have done phenomenal jobs turning their programs around. Um, I like Wake Forest minus two at home against NC State. Well, ironically, I, I chose the opposite. I took this as my money line. I'm taking Well, NC I've lost that one too then. Yep, I'm taking NC State. I think Wake Forest, now that they've lost, I, I'm concerned about them thinking they don't have as much to play for. Um, and I think right. it, NC State is good enough to beat them. I'm glad right. you said that. I don't understand this. Do you know the game, the Wake Forest North Carolina game, did not count on the ACC standings? Yeah, because it was a non-conference game. Yes. Why? How? Why? How does that work? Am I? Why am I? Well, when um, 
from my understanding, when Wake went to schedule non-conference games, you know, they couldn't get one, and North Carolina couldn't get a non-conference game either. And so they scheduled to play each other uh, as non-conference games because their scheduling did not fall within the ACC scheduling. Yeah, well, that's un-American. I agree with that. I don't understand how that happens either. I, mean, I heard that and I was like, "What?" Yes. Like I bet the fans don't look. So technically, they're still undefeated in the ACC. They are in the ACC, but they have no shot to get into the playoff. You know what I mean? They I don't might, think they have much of a shot anyway. They didn't but. have much either. But I think their kids probably thought they did. So now I, I um, I, I think that uh, NC State's good enough to beat them, and uh, I, I think that uh, Wake is going to play. Um, not as excited as they played in the past, and and uh, I'm taking NC State. And that's my money. Yeah, congratulations, congratulations on your guaranteed win right there, <laughs> uh, because I picked Wake Forest. Um, all right, uh, I called this game, so I actually swapped my money line. Okay, I, my next game is the Notre Dame fighting Irish. I, well, we talked about this last week. I've been looking at this one for a while. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish is going in to Charlottesville, Virginia, and they're playing the Hoos. They're playing UVA this weekend, Virginia. Virginia's five-and-a-half-point dogs. Yep. All right. Since it's five-and-a-half, I'm taking the points, UVA five-and-a-half. But I'm going to let everybody know, I honestly feel Virginia is going to win this football game. I do. I think Virginia's going to win it. I'm taking them at five-and-a-half. But – I will be sprinkling my real money on the money line on this. I will sprinkle I will sprinkle some because at five and a half, you're going to get decent odds. You'll probably get – I don't know what it is. It's probably 180, I guess, 200 to 180, something like that. Um, but I love – I, th- I think – I love this game. I don't know. I've been looking at this game for two weeks because when all this – when we started talking about college football playoff, I was looking, well, who's Notre Dame playing, who they got left? This is the one. Right. This is the one that's going to get them. Yeah, I do. I, I think so. So again, congratulations, Notre Dame. You just won the game because I picked against you. But I, I, I do, man. I, I like I like Virginia in this game. They can score points. You know, Virginia's been battle tested. Um, when they go out and play BYU, they score. And BYU's a good t- good football team. Yeah, they are. And they and they scored. It was a knockout that they got. They just got knocked out harder. But I mean, they scored. Well, I don't know how many was it fifty points? Whatever it was against BYU. I mean, they're they're scoring points. Um, and I don't think Notre Dame can do enough on offense to to keep up. I don't. I think it's going to be a – it's just one of those games where I don't think they can do enough on offense to keep up with Virginia's offense. I'm going with Virginia plus five and a half at home against Notre Dame. Well, and BYU – and I've, I've, I've talked about this before too, but, I mean, they're an independent. They can schedule whoever they want, right? And they play a power five schedule. I mean, they – week in and week out, they play a power five team. And if they were undefeated, then they could they would definitely be in the top four. You know what I'm saying? Correct. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, but that's just not the case with some of these other teams. They don't play a schedule like BYU plays. You know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. All right. the The next game for me is I know I'm riding them, and I got beat last week. Is UTEP at North Texas, <laughs> and UTEP um, is getting one. In this game, okay, UTEP is is uh, is getting one in this game. I'm going to take or you know North Texas is getting one, okay, and I think UTEP is going to beat them by more than one point. 
I knew I, as soon as I saw that line, I knew you were taking it. So. <laughs> Uh, I got burned last week, but UTIP's made me a lot of money this year. All right. My money line pick. My mon- By the way, uh, I'm going – I feel I, – my lock – I meant to tell this earlier. My lock is going to be Miami minus two and a half. Uh, my money line pick is going to be Michigan is one-point dogs to Penn State. I like what Michigan's doing, man. I do. I mean, I know they lost to Michigan State, but on the road. I, I like Michigan in this game. Just head up. Uh, I think Penn State's got some distractions going on. Um, I like Michigan. Head up. They're, they're one-point dogs, money line. It's probably not a lot, maybe like plus 100, maybe even money. But uh, whatever it is, I like the underdog Michigan to win against Penn State this weekend. That's my money line. It's a good pick. Well, my last pick is my is my lock, and this team's been covering. I, I was betting with them earlier, and they weren't covering. And this is a team that we just talked about a lot, but since then they've been covering, and that's Texas A&M. And Texas A&M uh, is only getting two and a half versus Ole Miss this week. And I know we have a lot of Ole Miss listeners, but I think Texas A&M is going to beat Ole Miss by more than two and a half points, and that's my lock. That is your lock. All right. I do. Uh, you want the bat? You want the, the? Do we give you the good news, or do we give the Ole Miss fans the good news? Which one do we give? Give the Ole Miss fans the good news. All right. I agree with DJ's pick. If I was picking the spread, that's what I would go. So that means Ole Miss is going to win the game outright. Congratulations to all you Ole Miss fans. You won at home. <laughs> um, I agree with you, man. I, I just think they're playing good, and it's not. And look, this isn't a shot at Ole Miss, man. I, they're just a shell of themselves right now. Okay, they are offensively. I mean, Matt, Matt's gonna have to run. He's not gonna be able to run because I mean, and he's he he's got some Johnny Feelgood in him to start the game. But as that wears off, I mean, you can see it as the game progresses. He just it, he starts losing a little bit. He's not gonna he's gonna want to slide, not do what he normally does. You know, Drummond's got a hamstring. He I'm sure he'll he'll he's sat. He'll try to come back, but he's not gonna be a hundred percent. You don't just recover from a hamstring in a week. Okay, Braylon Sanders has got all kinds of lower body issues. He can basically only play on the left side because he can't cut off his right um, or vice versa, whichever one it was. And Plumley and Dennis Jackson aren't going to be able to carry. Uh, now, my wager is my last pick is also in this game, DJ, but it's not the spread. Okay? The over-under is 55-and-a-half. Okay? I'm taking the under that's good. at 55-and-a-half. I think that's a good one. I'm taking the under. I, I like that better than the spread. Look, Ole Miss is playing at home. And, like, the, here's here's why I'm taking the under. Just I want everybody to know. One is because you got, what, did they score 27 points against Liberty? Um, they really – they scored, like, three points in the second half. I, I just don't – they're so beat up on offense. And they couldn't – they struggled. They had one running play of, like, 70 yards. Like, second play of the game, they go, like, Ely goes, like, 70-something. For the rest of the game. After the second play of the game, they only ran for like 70-something yards against Liberty. Okay, Texas A&M, in my opinion, may be the second or third best defense. You can throw Wisconsin in there, Clemson. They're top five defense in the country. Well, statistically they are. Yeah, I would would think so. Um, And then on the other side, go back to who who has Texas A&M lost to? They lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas. Who was the last one? Arkansas. And who runs the same defense as Arkansas? 
Ole Miss. Ole Miss schematically runs the same defense. So I think there's going to be some things. I, I think you – now, does that always hold true? No, but I think they didn't They didn't move the ball at all against uh, – they, they bust some big plays. Um, they're going – Ole Miss is going to have to stop the run, okay? Um, I think everybody in America is – you don't have to be some kind of bright analyst to know this, that Texas A&M with a beat-up quarterback is going to come in here and try to run the ball 800 times. That's what they're going to try to do. Clock's going to be running, da 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 on the other side, I think Lane knows that too. He can't go tempo, 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 three and out. He's, he may get run out of, the, out of the building if he can't stop the run. Correct. Um, so, but I, I do think the clock running, I think Ole Miss needs to establish the run somehow. But they're so beat up up front too, man. I mean, you know, it's just I don't – I see this being a low-scoring game. Um, I don't think – was it, if you got to get to – was it mean one team has to get to uh, 28 for it to cover? I don't think anybody gets to 28, man. I think this is like a 24-21. I mean, this is a close game, I think. Um, if it's not a close game, it's not – Ole Miss fans don't want – I don't think it's a, the other way around. I don't think it's an Ole Miss blowout of Texas A&M either way. I think it's either a close win by Ole Miss or it's a not a good not a good outcome. Kind of what happened to Auburn last week, a 20-3 to kind of game or something like that. Not three. That's going to be three, but a 27 – 10 or something like that. But, um, yeah, I just – at the current state, I really wish a – I would have loved to seen this game with Texas A&M playing like they are right now versus a healthy Ole Miss team from four or five weeks ago. But the same the same team that goes into, uh, you know, start the season. I would have liked to have seen that team – those two teams play. Right. Uh, but we're not. So – but uh, you got anything else to add? No, that's it, man. So we, we are literally not picking one game the same this week. So that means you're going to have a great week. <laughs> yeah. We don't well, have the same pick one time. So you're going to have a you're going to have a phenomenal week, DJ. Congratulations. I, I definitely went against uh, against the grain here on what I usually would do. So we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, I don't even. I'm my, I don't know if my grain. If I'm going with a grain against a grain, I don't, I'm so I'm, I'm like a I'm like a unfolded lawn chair, man. Yeah. I'm all over the place. I, I don't even. Yeah. I, I don't. I have no idea. I just I've, I've I've lost. You know, it's like you know, it's like a golfer, man. I've lost confidence in my swing. I got to get it back somehow. I'm just gonna keep swinging. You know, I'm a shooter. I'll just shoot. I'll just shoot myself out of it. That's what I'll do. I'll just I'll just keep shooting until I hit. So, but hey, remember, guys, to subscribe. Uh, anywhere you can find Home Visit, Apple, Spotify, MPW Digital, uh, like it, subscribe to it, all that good stuff. Make sure you leave us a three-star review because we love them. DJ, you love your three stars, right? Oh, no doubt, man. I've had some three stars go to the NFL. <laughs> hey, that's right. Got to love our three stars, man. That's right. You know, they're not complaining They're not complaining about many of those three stars anymore, but, you know, nobody remembers, you know, was he a three-star? Yeah, always three-star. But anyway, hey, DJ – have a great week. Everybody have a great week. We'll come back and enjoy the carnage of college football next week. And until next time, take care. We'll see you.